Well, today we're going to get to celebrate uh, together. This is our first Lord's Supper as a, as a church, and I'm excited about it. Um, we even brought the dog today, right? Um, and I think he's saved. He's going to go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven, right? Well, um, anyways, we're going to get to celebrate that today. And, and while, you know, taking the Lord's Supper is a time to be reverent, it is a time to reflect, and, and a time to think about what God has done for us and what Jesus did for us, it's not something that we are to mourn. Amen? Because we get to celebrate what He did for us, not mourn. He's not mourning today while He's sitting on the throne. He's rejoicing today because we get to know Him. And he gets to know us. And so while we are going to be reverent and reflective, we are going to celebrate and be grateful and thankful for what he's done for us. And, and maybe you've never been to church. Praise God that you're here. You are the reason we started this church. If you've never taken the Lord's Supper, I, I am so glad that you're here. Because you get to take part in something um, that, that is an amazing thing. But here's the deal. Before we take the Lord's Supper, I, I want us to, to take a few minutes and, and I want you to understand why we do it. It's important to understand it. Now, if you've uh, been in church all your life, this may be old hat to you. But remember who we're trying to reach. <laughs> this may not be for you, uh, what I'm fixing to explain, because you already know uh, a lot about the Lord's Supper. But we are here to explain the so-called uh, ordinances or rituals or things that we do so that the unchurched can understand them and so that they can rejoice and honor God with us. Amen? Amen? So that's all we're going to do. Now, <clears throat> today's going to be more like teaching rather than preaching. Um, and so I'm going to try to teach you a few things about the Lord's Supper. I'm going to do that by answering six basic questions about the Lord's Supper. If you want to take notes, this would be a good time to start. Six basic questions about the Lord's Supper. First of all, here's number one. What is it? What is the Lord's Supper? I mean, again, some of you guys have maybe never taken part in it or never even seen it, or you just kind of you kind of go through the motions when you went to church and you kind of did it. Listen, here's the reason why we do the Lord's Supper or what it is. The Lord's Supper is a symbolic act of obedience. Christ has asked us to take and uh, remember his death on the cross. And this, what we take part in today, is a symbolic act of obedience where we, the church, through the taking of the bread and the juice, remember his death and resurrection on the cross. And his death on the cross and his resurrection. And also, we anticipate his return. And so we do it to remember. Uh, here's question number two. Why? Why is it called the Lord's Supper? Why, why, why do they call it that? I mean, what's the, what's the meaning behind that? Well, be, it's because it's a symbolic taking of the Last Supper that Jesus shared with his disciples. It's symbolic of what they shared together on that last day before Jesus was crucified. I want us to look at the scripture together in Luke chapter 22. And, and we're going to take a look at, at this Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. It's right before he's being betrayed. Right before he's being uh, crucified, and he wants to spend his last moments of life with the people that loved him. Uh, many of you have experienced death as a family member. You want to spend that, you know, with them uh, before you die. Listen, these men were his faithful companions, and he wanted to sup with them before he was crucified. So his disciples get the meal ready, and they sit down to eat, and that's where we pick up the story. Follow along as I read it. 
It says this in verses 14 through 20 of Luke chapter 22. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. Now let me just stop right there. What is the meaning of the Passover? Well, here's, here's an amazing truth. It's, the, it's a supper as well that remembers when God spared the lives of the firstborn child of the Israelites. Now let me explain that. Back in the day, in the Old Testament, you can read about this in Exodus chapter 11 and 12. Pharaoh would not let the Israelites go. You remember the song? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh, let my people go. Anybody know that song? Thank you so much. Thank you, all you PBS uh, people. Well, here's the deal. Pharaoh wouldn't let the Israelites go. So God says, well, I'm going to send ten plagues to show Pharaoh. Since the first nine. Well, the last plague was the plague of the firstborn. And here's how that works. God said, if you aren't going to follow me in Egypt, he's talking about Egypt and Pharaoh, if you're not going to follow me, I'm going to kill the firstborn uh, male of your family. I'm going to kill the firstborn cattle. I'm going to kill the firstborn of everything that you have. I'm going to kill it. But, he says, but if you will take an animal and you will make a blood sacrifice and you will wipe the blood on the door frames of your home, then I will pass over your home and not kill your firstborn. And that's what he did. You know, Pharaoh's like, forget you. I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't, I'm not worried about Moses and all these plagues. I don't even believe that, that God is even really doing all this stuff. And so the Passover night comes, midnight comes, and God himself sweeps through the towns. And every place that there was blood on the door frames, he passed over and did not kill the firstborn. But every place that didn't have the blood on the door frames, guess what he did? He killed the firstborn. Whether they were old, whether they were a baby, whatever it was, he said, I'm going to judge you, Pharaoh. I'm going to judge everyone that doesn't trust in me. And that's what he did. Well, in this scripture, they're celebrating the Passover. They're celebrating what God did when he spared the lives of those that believed in him and put the blood on the door frames. And that's what the Passover means. And that's what they're celebrating. And Jesus says to his disciples, we're going to sit, we're going to have the Passover. And let's follow again. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread, then gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, my, my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my body, which is poured out for you. Some great scriptures there. One of the other uh, terms in there that I want you to understand, again, uh, at Thousand Hills, we don't assume that you understand everything about the Word, because none of us do, right? I mean, none of us do. So it says at the very end of that, it says, This cup is the new covenant. In my blood. So you, the next question, number three. What is the new covenant? Well, here's how they explain that. 
The Old Covenant and the Old Testament was just like that sacrificial thing. For, for people to find forgiveness in the Old Testament, forgiveness from God, they had to sacrifice a lamb, they had to give it to the priest, and the priest would go into the temple, he would offer the blood of the lamb to God, and their sins would be forgiven. That was the Old Covenant. Well, through Jesus Christ, he offered a new covenant. Through his death, he became the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. And because of his sacrifice, we don't need a priest. We don't need any other person to ask for forgiveness for our sins. Because he has provided a personal and direct relationship between him and us. Amen? That is the new covenant that is celebrated in this, in this Last Supper with his disciples. Through the shedding of Jesus' blood on the cross, we are able to have a personal, one-on-one relationship with God. And so that's what the new covenant means. But number four, here's the fourth question. How often should we take the Lord's Supper? Now, I know that there are different churches that take on different traditions, and, and I'll just tell you, it's just a tradition. You will never find in the Bible where it says you're supposed to partake of the Lord's Supper every Sunday. You'll never find in the Bible where you're supposed to take the Lord's Supper once a quarter. You're never going to find it. So here's what we desire to do in our church. We desire to, to be led by God, and when He tells us to take the Lord's Supper, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And you say, well, why don't we do it every Sunday? Why, why don't we partake of it every Sunday? And here's my fear. I fear that it becomes a pious ritual that loses its meaning because we just take of it as we walk through the door. And I'm not saying that every church that does that is wrong, but for me, as a pastor of this church, we desire to make it all it can be. And I don't know about you, but I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate it, and I want to honor God through it. Okay? So how often should we take it? We're going to take it as the Lord leads us to take it. Here's number five. What are we to remember? If it's a, a, a symbolic act of, of remembering what he did, what are we to remember? Well, Jesus wants us to remember the sacrifice he made for us on the cross. And Paul gives an account of the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper that Jesus shared with his disciples before he was crucified. I want to look at another scripture that, that Paul describes this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. Listen to this. And it's, again, Paul's account of the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. It says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after, the, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Listen to this scripture. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know what Paul tells us to remember? He tells us to remember what Christ did for us on the cross. He died on the cross so that we can have a personal, one-on-one relationship with Him. And He says to remember His death. He paid the ultimate sacrifice. I don't know about you, but I have three kids. Madeline, Hank, and Hampton. The joys of my life. And I'm just going to tell you straight up, I wouldn't sacrifice them for you. That's what God did. You say, well, yeah, okay, this is just a bunch of religious junk. Our, religion, our ritual, our religious act. What's not? 
We're here today to honor God because He sent His only Son to die on the cross for our sins. And guess what? He is coming back. Yeah. He not only died on the cross so that we can be forgiven, He's coming back someday. And for many of us, I, I, I feel in my spirit sometimes that it's coming soon. I don't know about you, but I feel it. But we got to be ready. And until he gets here, we got to live for him. And until he gets here, we got to remember what he did for us on the cross. And that's what we do with the Lord's Supper. Well, here's the sixth question, the last question. Who can take of the Lord's Supper? What are the requirements for taking the Lord's Supper? Well, number one is this. You have to take in the Lord's Supper, you have to believe in Christ. Think about it. It's meaningless for someone that doesn't believe in Christ to remember his death. Uh, it just has no meaning. So it, it, it's just uh, it's something that is for believers, for those that have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and made him the, the Lord of their lives. And you may ask, well, how can I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. How can I place my faith in Jesus Christ? Listen, it's a simple thing. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. And guess what? You have an opportunity to do that today. Maybe you're, you thought, man, I'm just going to come to church. I'm going to sit in the back. I'm going to just relax. No one's going to stop. You know, no one's going to notice me. All that good stuff. Listen. God notices you, and He wants a personal relationship with you. And so here in just a minute, we're going to give you an opportunity to accept Him as your personal Lord and Savior. And so you say, well, who can take it to the Lord's Supper? Well, you have to be a believer. You have to be a believer. Here's the second requirement. You, as a believer that wishes to take part in the Lord's Supper, you have to be in a right relationship with God. It's not just enough to know Him personally. You have to be living for him. Does that make sense? You have to be living for him. And here's why. Look at verses 27 through 29 of First uh, Corinthians. Back back at First Corinthians chapter 11. Listen to what it says. It says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Listen to what else it says. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. You know what that's saying? As believers, we are to examine our hearts and ask God to cleanse us from any sin that we have in our lives so that we can honor God. It talks about taking in an unworthy manner. You know what that means? It means taking it just as a ritual. Ah, just do this. The Christian thing to do. Or in an indifferent. Oh, it doesn't really matter. None of this stuff really matters. Or if you have sin in your life and you know you have sin in your life, maybe you're living in a habitual sin. This Lord's Supper is not for you today. Maybe you have something against someone else that you need to get right before you take the Lord's Supper. This is really one of the places to where God says if you do, I will judge you, and you will you will answer for it. I'm not sure that, that I don't want to I don't want to be judged by God. I just assume judge myself and say, okay, God, what is it in me that I need to confess so that I can be right with you and so that I can honor 
you. And here's the great thing. The great thing about God is that He is always willing to forgive. All you have to do is ask for it. And so maybe you're here today and you have sin in your life. You know Christ personally, but you're living in a sin or you committed a sin the other day or you committed a sin uh, a week ago or you know of a sin that's in your life. First John 1 John 1.9 says this. If you will confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He can, he can forgive you. You just have to confess it. Can I just, can I just ask you to do something today? If you're not willing and ready to confess that sin and get rid of it, please don't partake of the Lord's Supper today. That's what I'm going to ask you to do. Because partaking of it with sin in your life is in an unworthy manner. And we don't want to make this thing unworthy or dishonorable to God. So, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask Cody to come, grab the guitar, and we're going to give you a minute to have a time of prayer before we take the Lord's Supper. Okay, so if you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second. Cody's going to start playing the guitar. And eat just right there in your seat, maybe you just need to say, okay, God, what is there in my life that I need to get rid of? Show me my sin so that I can confess it in this moment and be in a right relationship with you. Maybe you're that person that I was talking about earlier that has never asked Jesus to come into their heart. Never asked Him to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all the sin that's in your life. Listen, you can do that right now. Bible says, again, if you'll just confess and say, okay, Lord, I confess and I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned against you. I know I've done things wrong. And I confess that. And I want your forgiveness. I want you to come into my life. I want you to be the Savior of my life, the Lord of my life. I want you to guide me. I believe that you died on the cross. And I believe that you rose again. And you're preparing a place for those that know you. And I want to know you. You can just say that in your heart. Right there in your seat. Maybe you just did that. Maybe you just prayed that prayer. Listen, this is the beginning of eternal life for you. This is the beginning of a of a great and lasting, everlasting life. And here's what we, we typically ask you to do after you've given your heart to Christ. We want to know about it. We're not going to ask you to come to the front. We're not going to ask you to fill out a card or join this church or anything like that. We just want to know about it so that we can celebrate with you. So that we can get you a Bible or get you some, some devotionals so that you can read those every day and grow in your faith in Christ. It's not just a one-time decision. The Bible teaches us that we're not to make decisions. We're to make disciples. And that means we're to grow in our relationship. And so asking Him to save you is the first step. And so if you've done that this morning, please let me know. Please let one of these people know that you know are in leadership, one of our elders. Let us know. Call me, text me, write me, whatever, and let us know so that we can help you grow in your faith.
want to give you just one more minute just to maybe talk to God and just say, okay, God, make me ready for the Lord's supper. Cleanse me. Lord, I pray as we uh, as we begin to take our Lord's Supper today that you would be honored. That you would forgive me where I failed you. And that you would help me to live for you. And Lord, for those that are believers in here today, I, I just pray that you would just help them to, to see the sin that's in their life and may they just repent of it. May they turn from it and turn to you. Lord, we thank you for the offer of forgiveness that you provide for each one of us, not just for the preacher, not just for the person that's gone to church all their life, but you offer that same forgiveness to the sorriest sucker that ever walked the earth. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And we honor you today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. If you have placed your faith in Christ, and if you have examined your heart today, and you know that in your heart that you are cleansed before God, and you're right with God, I want to ask you to please take of the Lord's Supper today. I'm going to ask our ushers to come on up. My guys, Jesus said, this is my body which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Jesus said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. We're going to close our sermons out by singing Go Tell It On The Mountain.